0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Spot Show Wrestling Podcast with your hosts, Ryan Matthews and Pat Andyer. Welcome everyone to the Spot Show Wrestling Podcast. This is Pat Andyer and I'll be standing in today alone by myself. Uh, Ryan Matthews is having a stomach bug. He's not going to be able to make it. So I'll be going over your latest September 9th, 2022 SmackDown. And we'll also be going over the latest Raw that happened on 9-12-2022. On well, September 12th, 2022. So let's go over the SmackDown thing. Um, this is their post-Clash of the Castle edition of the SmackDown. And we start off with them going over how Solo Sokoa was able to help Roman Reigns be retained as the undisputed WWE Universal Champion and They show the video vignette of that and we go straight into a match there was a rerun of the, the Clash of the Castle matches with the brawn brutes still going up against Imperium now at least they made this into a tag team match I wish they would get rid of doing these Because if I've seen the match one time, I've seen the group go at each other one time, and there was a build-up and there was a fallout, I don't need you to continuously give it to me over and over again because you're booking boringly. But it was a fun match. It's always good to see that Gunther and the Imperium are still a group, and they're able to be held up to a standard of seriousness that they should be. And I'm just ready to see Gunther's next opponent. Um, we come back from the break, and you have Sami Zayn out there with the Undisputed Tag Team Champions, the Usos, and they're talking about just how much Sakoa helped them and nobody expected it. And Sami Zayn pretty much took over this segment. He is the greatest addition to the bloodline that's outside of the box I could ever even imagine. The guy has comedic timing, and he's just that perfect guy to put in there that wants to just fit in and also able to be himself that you can just tell he's trying to fit in i loved it then we have the women's tag team championships well let's go back to what happened at the end drew McIntyre, obviously he's pissed so he comes out there and he's trying to take everybody's heads off he finally gets soa gets his hands on him goes to hit him with a chair who pushes him out the way none other than Sami Zayn perfect timing it couldn't have been any better he didn't jump in too late he didn't jump in too early they set it up i think so sokoa kind of sold the kick to the stomach a little too long but other than that i mean he swung the chair at the exact time he was going to hit so he hit sammy so i loved it anyway going to the tag team match with the women's the non-titles match didn't really care one way or another about this i think it was just more to get raquel over Um, I noticed that on her powerbomb, it was a little bit different. And I think that was kind of a wink and a nod to what was coming up with Braun Strowman. Because, you know, Braun Strowman hit a powerbomb as well, if you watched the latest episode of SmackDown. And if you do know what's going on backstage, apparently those two are a couple. So if those two are a couple and she's trying to say, yeah, I could do my Chicoa bomb or Chiquita bomb, whatever she calls it. And she changes it up and decides to do... A regular power bomb the way that she's already knowing braun strowman's going to do his maybe that's what it was maybe it was a mess up i don't know but they had a tag team match against toxic attraction which i feel like they're not being built as good as they could be i think these are strong contenders for a tag team title i wish manny rose would have came in with them and they would have had a better presentation all around um looking at the tag team champions and looking at the segments that they have with the new group that just came in with bailey and Dakota Kai and Sky, I kind of wish that they were set as the example of being taken serious as well as a triple threat, but they're not. Um, moving on from that, the winners obviously were Raquel and Nalia. Then we had a number one contender's fatal five-way elimination match with Zaya Lee, Sonya Deville, Natalia, Lacey Evans, and Ronda Rousey. Obviously, the winner here had to be Ronda Rousey. Um, there was no surprise in that. It's just, it's crazy to me looking at Sonya Deville at how much better she is than every single competitor that was in the tough enough edition that she was in. Even Mandy Rose. I know there's Mandy Rose lovers out there, and I understand it. I respect you for it. But given the time frame that they were in the ring together and trained together, Sonya's just always been light years ahead of everybody in that group with the little bit of experience that she has. And it's awesome to see that somebody that's taking it that serious and trying to grind to get their character where they want it. And the little things that she does in the ring sometimes, she makes sure that she's held up to a serious standard and she has perfect timing with things she does. She never looks like a joke and I, I'm just really into her character. I've always been into her character when I realized that early in her career she was doing really well. Next, we had a segment backstage with the Usos and Sami Zayn. they were trying to get Sokoa to think that you got to prove yourself before you're part of the bloodline. And then Sami said, yeah, you need to go out there and do what it takes. And then they turned around and said, no, you know what? We're going to stand there. We're going to be by your side. And then all of a sudden, Sami Zayn's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we should do. Perfect timing. He took over this segment again. He's just so good at what he does in this role. And then we go back to Ronda Rousey meeting up with Shayna Baszler backstage, and I love this segment as well. She tells Shayna Baszler, you know, if you get ready to break bones again and be held up to a serious standard, let me know. And hopefully we're getting Shayna Baszler the killer back. This is going to be amazing if we can get some serious competition in everything that we do on the shows. After this, we had Hit Row with the Street Profits versus the Maximum Male Models and Los Lotharios. And for everyone that's involved in this match, I just expected it would be better than it was. Um, Everyone that was involved, you know, they're some pretty heavy hitters. I mean, obviously, Hit Row has not been together that long, and they came in and then were let go, and now they're back, and they don't have their so-so leader with Swerve. But... They were there with the Street Profits who have been doing this pretty good long time on the main card. The hit road didn't really falter just because they were new when they first entered in to the main cards and, well, the main roster. So them going against Los atharios and the guys that are, they're brand new themselves. I mean, maybe this is a little bit of just greenness that's rubbing off on each other. But I just felt like I'm into everybody that was in this match. So I expected there to be more to it and maybe that's on me. Maybe I expected too much and then thinking back on it, I shouldn't have. I love what the Maximum Mill models are doing. This stuff is hilarious. It's something new, but not new. It's kind of an old school thing that they're bringing back. Uh, You had people like the model Montel and you had people like Alex Wright and Buff Bagwell, and this seems to be fitting into that role of the hot thing, but you also had, you know, the flamboyant versions of it. And I think this is a perfect mixture of everything involved into it, and I'm digging it. It's way better than what they were doing before. I mean, we can argue that all day, but I don't think anybody doesn't get a giggle whenever they think that his name was Mace and now his name's Monse. I mean, I think that's just hilarious. But obviously the winners of this had to be hit row. And the Street Profits. I don't think anybody was taking Los Atharios or Maximum Mel Models serious in this event. And if you were, that's, that's going to be on you. <laughs> so after this, we have to come to a break. We go to the ring and there's a comedy segment being done with the Alpha Academy. Um, you kind of were waiting on something to happen that was going to break the anonymity of this stupid stuff that was going on in the ring. I wasn't really digging it. Uh, I think I wasn't supposed to. And... I love Chad Gable to death. Otis, he holds his own. You can't take anything away from him. Chad Gable is one of the best competitors in the ring, and he's getting this heel character over with the shush thing, but I think they are they love to milk a cow dry, and this one's, to me, starting to get milked way too dry, and maybe they're seeing it as in it's heel heat, but I think it's more like a, this is annoying heat, and I don't think that's heat at all. And Braun Strowman just makes a joke out of the entire tag team division again. <laughs> Because he comes in a wreck shop, and he but he power bombed Otis, and this is what I was going with the Raquel thing. The power bomb that he did was tremendous, and it was a big spot. People remember it. Um, kind of reminded a lot of people who are ADW uh, stands that oh they're trying to make him into Warlow because Warlow has that power bomb spot. And hey, I get it if that's how you feel about it, and you want to use that to defend how your stance is about hating what WWE is doing. Hey, I get it, but it was still cool to see. A gigantic dude powerbomb a gigantic dude we can't get away from that so get out of this and we have the drew mcintyre versus Solo sokoa it was a great match um i really didn't expect seeing how small so sokoa looked compared to his brothers that was kind of surprising i didn't realize he was going to be that much shorter and smaller of a version of what he looks when he's in nxt but When he made his entrance, he looked great. And when he got in that ring and was competing against Drew McIntyre, he looked like he could hold his own. And I lost myself watching the match thinking that. And as I found myself remembering the match, that's crazy that this dude, when I first saw his impression of him standing in the ring with the bloodline, I was thinking, Dang, he I didn't know he was that small. But then whenever he went against Drew McIntyre, I forgot completely about that. So kudos to him. That was cool. Love what Sami Zayn was doing. He had his spots, and he hit them perfect timing. Again, he's whatever he's doing, I would have never expected it to be with the bloodline, but knowing that, hey, it is right now, he could do no better. (laughs) It is hilarious to me, the stuff that he's doing and the timing. And I do like, it's kind of, they've always said from what I've read that Paul Heyman likes to wrap stories around other stories, so you always have somewhere to go. And in case anything happens, in my mind you do have somewhere to go when you do things like the street prophets are going against the usos the usos are helping the champion retain his championship we introduced another brother into it drew mcintyre is fighting and roman isn't here so he's fighting one of our brothers and the street prophets are going to come in there and help him now street prophets don't have anything to do with drew mcintyre aside from the fact that my enemy of my enemy is my friend which drew mcintyre is not an enemy of them but if he's an enemy of the enemy They hey, I'm right there right beside you. So I like this all the way up until the end. And this is something that we brought up last week when we were talking about just the little things they do with carrying cross that takes you out of it. And this isn't just the stuff where they had him dressed up like the gladiator. We're talking about the entrances that he's done with certain moves that he's done in the ring and throwing the water ball at Drew McIntyre. And now Drew McIntyre's in the middle of a match and gets choked out. And the screen went black and white, and that killed the emotion of the entire thing for me. Bad, bad, bad. I hated this. Nothing about this, to me, held up its end of the bargain. Um, You think that when you hear a killer's coming out there to choke out a badass, Scotland, braveheart killer, that it would look a lot better than this? And it didn't. And to me, I think that's a failure. So they go off the air with Drew McIntyre being choked out by this killer. And it was what it was. <laughs> it, it sounds as bad to you as I'm making it. And if you watch it and you feel the same way, let us know. But if not, and you think this differently, hit us up on Twitter. It's underscore the spot show. We're wrestling podcasts. We take <laughs> any opinions. And if you agree that it was the coolest thing you've ever seen, hit me up. Let me know why. Because I didn't see it but moving on we had wwe raw and this took place on september 12 2022 they opened up at the modea center in portland oregon so we go right to the ring with seth rollins making his way out and the crowd obviously loves him they won't stop singing his music which i thought was hilarious shout out to portland the audience was into it and that made it a lot better of a vision whenever you see it live People are cheering for the guy no matter what he does. He can't be held as a heel as much as they want him to be. But the stuff that he does is cool. And stomping Matt Matt Riddle's head into the ground is never going to stop him. The one thing that I did love about this segment is two things. The crowd was into the Matt Riddle thing, so can't take anything away from that. And they were constantly chanting for a rematch, even though they love Seth Rollins, and he got pissed. And he said, no, I'm done with that. And when Matt Riddle came out, the one thing that I was talking about last week that I did not like is that Matt Riddle was not serious. But in this segment, he was very serious. He didn't say anything on the mic except for, bro, and then he got right into the fight. I loved it. Should have done that last week. The strangest thing to me is the fact that out of nowhere comes out Finn Balor and Damian Priest and they're trying to get Matt Riddle to join them. He says no I'm just worried about Seth Rollins which isn't a good argument if you have a group that's supposed to be held up to the badass standards that they're trying to make these two look and you say no I'm only worried about fighting one guy couldn't these two dudes help you fight that one I don't understand if you're that mad about it and you're like are you guys trying to get me to join your group cool well how about we whoop his ass if y'all really like me that much but the fact that they didn't do it was just, I don't know. It was kind of dumb. I didn't understand why they would do that. Why would they bring out heels just because the guy that's trying to fight Matt Riddle is a heel and Matt Riddle doesn't join them because he doesn't want to be turned into a heel and not be able to fight Seth Rollins. That didn't make any sense to me. And <laughs> they jump him. They whoop his ass. Matt Riddle gets stomped into the ground by... Seth Rollins, who comes out of nowhere and attacks him and says, we're done with this, and then they drop that patented WWE's gotten serious with the word bitch. (laughs) So, it used to be just the females get serious and they say bitch, but no, you gotta get Seth Rollins to do that little dig in there as well. But anyway... After they get into it with Matt Riddle, they come back from a break, and now there's a match, which this is cool. This is another thing that I remember about ECW, is that whenever two guys got into an argument with each other, out of nowhere, when it came back from a break, it was a match. And it was cool to see that. I mean, they had chairs that they would come in there and hit each other with or whatever, and then when you would least expect that the referee was ringing the bell and it was time to go at it, it was like, did this match just happen out of nowhere? And they've done that here periodically with Raw, but it's just cool to see, and it always makes me think, I wonder if Paul Heyman's running the show. Anyway, they get into it and at the end of it the Seth Rollins reaches over the rope and distracts Matt Riddle. He gets hit with the Bloody Sunday. I'm not exact I think he calls it 1916 now, because who wants to call it Bloody Sunday when you're PG thirteen? And then he hits the coup de grace on him and one, two, three, and then they just dip out. They didn't need to prove a point. They didn't need to do any more ha- damage to Matt Riddle. They were just like, "Hey, uh, try to get you to be part of our group, but you don't want to be it, so we're just gonna take you out and then leave." But Edge gets kicked out the group, and it's a never-ending battle. They just want to destroy that man's life for some reason. You would think that anybody that t- goes against them, they would try to do that. But whatever. I mean, if that's the way that they're writing them to be serious competitors in the ring. For some people and not for others, I don't like that. But they have fixed a lot with the Judgment Day. I, Me and my, my buddy questioned the hell out of it when me and Ron Matthews were talking about how they went from having their original lead singer of Edge and there may or may not have been some tiff backstage about them trying to go dark and spooky. And he said, I'm not into the magical stuff. I'm out. And now they don't want to let that die. <laughs> but... We thought it was going to be terrible, and it was. I mean, it was questionable for a while if this thing was even going to get off the ground and be worth watching every week, but so far, I feel like I was wrong, at least. I'm into it. But anyway, like we mentioned, after the match ends, Seth Rollins jumps into the ring and takes out Matt Riddle again and stomps him in the head and says, We're through. You hear me, bitch? We're through. Something along the lines of that. So we come back from a break and all of a sudden we have a segment for a vignette of dominic sitting in a dark room and being pretty obvious that he was reading lines off of something his eyes kept moving back and forth and the way that he would break his sentence up wasn't natural it would sound like if you were moving a key card or he was waiting for a script to roll up on a teleprompter and It just made it took me out of the moment. I understand what they're trying to do with him. I understand that he's new and they don't want him to mess up and they're trying to help him along the way. And hey, kudos to him for reading something off of a screen and trying to make it sound like I'm not reading what I am reading out loud. But it it really took me out of it watching it up close and paying attention to it pretty heavily. And then Rio Ripley whispers in his ear, and I couldn't help it. This. People online were wondering, oh, what did she whisper in his ear, This the secret thing that made it look different? And when I saw it, it reminded me of that song where he goes, hey, pretty mama, let me whisper in your ear. And it made me just laugh, just hysterically, because it, if, if you're going to do something like that, if you're going to do something like that, you can't leave it to question where people are going to make memes about it. And... They definitely left you to be able to come up with your own devices on what you believe she said. and I don't know. I just thought it was hilarious. Then after this, we get the match of the WWE Women's Tag Team titles with Dakota Kai and Io Sky versus Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah. And I don't understand why they didn't just go ahead and pull the trigger and give Io Sky and dakota kai the titles to begin with because this you have two of the most well-traveled and not green wrestlers on one tag team and then on the other side the tag team champions are the green team they are a team of competitors who don't have as much experience and they're all on one team and raquel's good For as little bit of time as she's had in the business, and I don't know how much time she's actually had, but how much time I've seen her on TV, she's grown tremendously, leaps and bounds. And she's great at what she does and the position she's in. And you can definitely see her going a long way with just doing the big girl moves because she's just so much taller than everybody. And she's beautiful. So she makes good for TV. But Aaliyah, I mean, she's beautiful too. But she just doesn't bring anything to the table. And when her timing is so off and people are waiting for moves... And Sky I just talked well about her, but people are waiting on moves for her as well. But like the move she did where she springboarded, and it was cool, the springboard X-Factor that she did to Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai walked to the ropes and waited. There was no fluidness to it. There was no part of it that made you go, oh yeah, that definitely was not set up and for dakota kind of hit a move and then walk her way to the ropes to hold on it and then look at her like are you gonna come out it also made me laugh too is it before the match started i don't know if anybody noticed this but she told uh, she told sky yeah go ahead and get out the ropes i'm gonna start the match and they hadn't done the introductions yet and she kind of looked at her this way like oh i kind of messed up uh yeah you gotta come in because we're gonna do the introductions that we're the competitors <laughs> against the team champions um, but, they did win, and they gave the right people the win this time. So, you can't really hate on anything when the people that you expected to already be the champions become the champions. So, Dakota Kai hits her finisher, and they get the win. And they move on with after match, Bailey rushes in to celebrate with them. And they pose on the way, and some pyro goes off. So from here we go backstage and they have Mysterio trying to talk to Dominic Mysterio and Dominic's just staring off in the distance and Dominic is not paying any attention to what Rey Mysterio's got to say. So then Rhea Ripley walks up and she says something to him and she says, you know, like I told you before, he's no longer listening to you and we're making a man out of him. And he walks away with her without saying a word. Kind of a nerdy thing look on Dominic's face. He almost had like his arms standing in the way that the water boy stood and <laughs> it... I don't know. I wish they would figure out a way to make him look as badass as they're trying to portray him, unless this is going to roll around to they're using Dom to infiltrate him like how Daniel Bryan did the Wyatt family, and then he's going to turn his back on. Him. And if that's the case, it's dumb because he doesn't come out of that looking any more serious than he was going into it. And I would think you would want him to. You would think that this is a building up for him to be held up as a serious competitor. So... If that's where they're trying to go with it I'm down but if they try to turn it around and make him seem like the oh gotcha well then now Dom just still looks like the little kid who's following his dad and he don't look any cooler for it obviously and from here we go it's probably the match of the night we get Johnny Gargano's comeback match against Chad Gable and Gargano has not missed a beat Anybody in the world can say what they want to about the guy. Oh, he's small. He's short. Nobody takes him serious. Watch the match. Because if you think Jack Gable's not taken seriously on the world, you're an idiot. Because Chad Gable's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's jacked. And he's an Olympic competitor. And I would argue to say Gargano didn't look any worse than him. I mean, when I saw them standing side by side, I wouldn't have thought, oh, this guy's going to kill this guy. It actually made for a compatible match. So... Anybody that wants to talk crap about Johnny Gargano, obviously you're just talking crap about him because you just don't like the stuff he came from and his look and you're just hating on him. But if you try to say he's a terrible wrestler, well, that's on you. To each his own, but that's on you. Great match. Obviously, they get the patented This Is Awesome champ, which that's whatever nowadays. I think you can get into the ring and do anything you want it to do and people are going to say it's This Is Awesome as long as they like you and you're a great competitor. But for this, they should have and... He hits that finisher DDT, calls the one final beat, gets the pin. Winner's Johnny Gargano. Crowd loves it. We loved it. Welcome back, Johnny. That's all I can say. Johnny Russell's back. We're all happy for that. And after the match ends, we have the segment where Otis tries to attack Johnny and Johnny gets out of town. So apparently they're going to continue this storyline. If this is going to end up with Gable being thought of as a good competitor that is going to be taken serious and we're going to get the ball rolling with him I'm all for it but if this is just for Johnny Gargano to rack up some wins and get a storyline and a payday until we can do something else with him I don't really like that because I don't want any one of these guys to come off worse than what they already are because people are looking at Johnny if they don't like him and people are already looking at Chad as dude just got wrecked by Braun Strowman but you know it is what it is so we come back and we have Theory coming out to cut him a promo, and when he's coming out to cut a promo, it's kind of weird that Theory is coming out after Johnny Gargano, and you had Raquel going against Dakota Kai, and it was not mentioned on the show that these people have ties. Like It's there. It's it's right there. I'm glad that they at least mentioned the whole Austin Theory, Johnny Gargano thing when he came back, but they did miss the ball on the ro- I mean, unless I missed it. I could have missed it. I'm not going to sit there and say I, I didn't miss that, but I don't think I have, and I don't think they've said anything about Raquel and Dakota Kai having the reign that they had in NXT. But, moving on. There he goes in there to cut his promo. He gets a what chant, and he cuts him off. And he, he He's good at what he does. If people hate on him, then you're just hating on him because he's doing a good job, in my mind, of being the annoying guy, which is what Vince wanted. And if the rumors are to be true that... Triple H's guy that he was wanting to be pushed to the moon was Karrion Cross, and Triple H loved the movie The Gladiator so they put him in a gladiator outfit just to rib on Triple H then maybe Triple H is trying to rib back with Austin Theory because of McMahonisms and trying to make him look like a joke. I don't think that is what the case is. It's an interesting story for damn sure but he's the Money in the Bank winner he was the US title champion he had face-offs with Tyson Fury. I mean, you don't put people in those main attractive things that are going to branch out further than just your company and your business. you are going to make mainstream news with guys you don't like. So, I don't buy into that. But either way, he goes to cut his normal generic promo. Kevin Owens comes out and pretty much tells him so, that you're just cutting a generic promo. And he succeeds in cutting him down to size, but also saying you have all the potential in the world. Cuts one of the best promos and passionate promos I've ever heard from a guy telling another guy, you could be better than everybody as you say you are. You could make this where nobody's on your level. But as of right now, you're just a generic guy. And people like me and Johnny come out here and we give it our all. We're one in a million. Guys that are jacked up and generic, <laughs> you are a million. They're, you, they're a dime a dozen. So, really cool segment here. Leads into a brawl between the two, which, obviously, you see that coming. And Kevin Owens notices that he got a little bit busted up when he's leaving the ring and up the ramp. And he says, oh, what I do? Break your nose? So, it's funny to see him bragging about that. They actually bring that up when a dude's leaving. Like, hey, I, I noticed something. Let me go ahead and say it. So. Good on Kevin Owens for catching that. That's what the good ones do, right? And just to let you know that it's serious, he had to drop that patented bitch. <laughs> so, you know you know, it's gotten serious when somebody does that, right? So moving on from that, we go back to a break, and we see that the Raw's women champion, Bianca Belair, is in the ring. She's there to tell everybody that she's learned a lot over the past few weeks, and she stays ready. You know, She cuts her normal promo to tell everybody that she's ready for any challenge and anyone backstage wants to come out and face her, she's ready for them. And who comes out? Sonya Deville. And she talks about the past, and it's cool that they're keeping her involved with what she did back when they were face-to-face before and how she got Sonya Deville fired, so it's a cool callback. Good match. Um, I noticed that Sonya had a little bit of a wardrobe malfunction. Um, I think that hindered the match a lot, but even on top of that, where she's trying to fix her clothing the entire time, which had to suck trying to take moves and stuff while also not exposing yourself to TV and the audience. I felt bad for her. Um, She hit every spot she needed to. There was no botching. There was no bad timing. I just love everything she does. I think she can be a good commodity and a good good person for the business later on in her career. I think everybody's going to look back and they're going to say that she did some tremendous things and she was great for the business. Um, I do like the little tidbit that Bianca said before the match, that this is a open challenge, not an open mic, and I think she got a lot of ooh for that, which is a good line. I don't know if it was written for her or if she said it, but it is what it is. So, obviously, the winner of the match is Bianca Belair. She hits her finisher. She's standing tall, and then Bailey comes out and. She cuts the promo saying that I know it bothers you that you weren't able to beat me at Clash at the Castle and you probably can't sleep at night, which ultimately turns into just Dakota Kai and Io Sky trying to jump her and Bianca Belair being able to hold her own until her buddies come out there. So apparently they're keeping that whole thing going with Belair and Asuka and Bliss going against Bailey's control. So... I don't know. I'm not really into the whole three-on-three things when you have a champion involved. I'd rather see a singles match with a singles champion and a tag team match with the tag team champions. And if they want to do something together that has the championships involved and make it different, that's cool. But just because you need two people to compete against two people and you need somebody that can hold their own because this person has three people and this person doesn't. So you just throw two random people together. I don't like it. And I would imagine that they were trying to get Sasha Banks and Naomi with Bianca Belair until the incident with them happened, so they just had to throw two people together. But if that's the case, then just leave it be. Don't put three people together with her. Let her hold her own against three people, because if you do that, she just beat three women, and she looks like she could do it. And The Rock used to do this all the time. He used to take out one competitor after another, and he would time his sequences up to where it looked amazing. And I don't think anybody would ever say that The Rock wasn't entertaining and didn't look like he could take on everybody. And you already did it with John Cena, so give the woman the treatment if that's what you're going to do. Moving on, we have the Almost match, which I don't know if anybody remembers it because I definitely don't. I think we knew obviously what was going on. He's going there and he's taking on jobbers and he's using it as an enhancement. But, I mean, ain't very much enhancement when you need all the training you can get and you're going against two guys that have less than you but he wins moving on from that he looks strong and we get ray mysterio backstage trying to tell edge man please just drop this don't go after him and edge telling him no you you've heard what he said and he's his own man now and so i'm gonna do whatever it takes to treat him a lesson and i'm gonna knock him i'm gonna knock some sense into him So back from the break, and we get the Finn Balor versus Matt Riddle, and what happened with them, we get the post-breakdown of everything that's going on backstage, and we have Bobby Lashley go against Seth Rollins backstage and say, you know, you're saying that you're the face of here, and you want to be the face of the company, but the face of the company doesn't have a title, and... I wouldn't see yourself walking around or saying you're the face if you don't have a title. And then Seth Rollins tries to roll it back around from the fact that Bobby Lashley had a little bit of those MMA fights to Bobby Lashley and Riddle being just alike because they used to be MMA guys. And now we apparently are going to have a U.S. title match between Seth Rollins and Lashley coming up. Which was interesting about this segment is the fact that Rollins said, well, that's not the title I was talking about, but I'll, Take it off your shoulder. Like, there's only one other title you could be talking about. I don't think it's Gunther's. <laughs> so I, I'm kind of interested to see where that's going. Then we have a cool segment backstage. Well, not backstage. Back at Miz's house that was previously recorded. And they, I love the fact that they brought Dexter Loomis back and that they're doing something with him on the main cards of, uh, I call it main cards, but on the main roster where they're taking him serious and he's as creepy as he's ever been. I love the Dexter part of him. When he used to be in TNA, he had this Dexter look just like the TV show. Where he had the same sweater and the same gloves, but he had the character he has now. So, I like it. I like how they showed the cameraman getting glimpses of him where the cameraman may have not noticed that he was in the background. It's cool how they're doing that. And they... they, the Miz is the perfect guy to do this with because he has perfect comedic timing on the mic whenever he's doing promos and he has a perfect comedic timing when they're doing the the pre-taped stuff. So you couldn't have gotten a better guy. And it's funny to watch Graves just be outraged from it all and be screaming out, is somebody going to call the cops? Like we're what we're all thinking, man, if this is real, this is what they say. And this is what they do. And then we have the Edge and Dominic Mysterio match. And... Nothing was wrong with this match at all. You can definitely tell Edge is leading the match. There was hard hitting going on, and he was trying to prove a point with his clotheslines and his chops and his kicks. Nothing was held back. You didn't think that this looked fake, and it didn't look like Dominant Mysterio could hold his own because, you know, he's a young guy, he's just trying to teach him a lesson. And the coolest part of it all happens, obviously, when he wraps Dominant Mysterio up in the ropes. And one thing that kind of took me out of it a little bit was that edge was punching dominant mysterio while he was wrapped up in the ropes with his arms in like a cross fashion and he heard the crowd chanting one two three four so he punched him 10 times just to get the crowd's 10 time chant of their little pop they do (laughs) for the 10 times but you're not there to get over you're not there to get the crowd involved you're there to beat this kid's ass because of what he's done to you and um, then he goes like he's going to spear him when he's on the ropes and i was wondering like how's this going to (laughs) work i was more intrigued by the fact of if this does go down and he spears him are they falling out of the ring or are they going to just hit and edge is going to bounce off of him what would be the, the the way they would treat that but of course he gets cut off because you know Obviously Ray doesn't want his son getting killed by his buddy, so he's like, that's enough. And then it just turns into a big owl brawl. Then everybody's gets involved and everybody's hitting everybody. Uh turns out that Damian Priest appeared ringside and pulled Ray out of the ring that started it all. And right as Finn Balor hits the ring to attack Edge, Ripley also got involved, and so the referee just calls it a DQ and Edge wins. And After the bell, there's a tact that just continues to go on with Priest launching Mysterio over the announce table. And it sounded like somebody cursed because it just went silent on the feed I was watching. So I wonder if somebody didn't expect it and would drop the, oh, shit. (laughs) So Valor unloads on Edge in the ring and they're just beating the hell out of Edge. They put a steel chair out. They set up his, his leg on the chair and Dominic Mysterio was working on his leg the entire match. Cool thing to see was when Edge was running after him like I guess he was going for a spear and Dominant Mysterio did the old Lance Storm back roll into a single leg crab and it looked cool and he didn't have the leg in the same arm that the leg side was on so he had it crossed his body and it really looked like it would hurt if you were doing it for real so yeah I love that and so they he they built into the match he just continuously attacked Edge's leg and then they get in a ring and he puts the leg on a chair and Finn Balor does the coup de grace to his leg. And they take the chair, sit it down. And I wish they would have told Dominic to sit down in the chair because I think it looked more like an impromptu thing. I don't think that it was talked about. I think it was just off the top of um, Finn Balor's dome to just put the chair down and sit in it because he had it right there and he was holding it. But I wish that they would have just gotten Dominic in the middle and told him to sit down, because I think the imagery of that would have been cooler. But who am I? I'm just a nerdy dude that likes to talk about wrestling on a podcast. So that's how it ends. It ends with the Judgment Day standing tall while Edge is underneath him, and Dominic is standing over the top of his dad pretty much disobeying orders. So I'm looking forward to what's coming up next. I'm, I'm digging everything that WWE is doing. AEW's got a little bit of flaws, but I'm digging a lot of what they're doing. So, whenever the next Dynamite comes out, hopefully Ryan Matthews can be back with me. But this is going to conclude this episode of the podcast. If you like what you hear, let me know on Twitter. Let us know on Facebook. Hit me up at the underscore underscore the spot show on Twitter. And hit us up at the Spot Show Wrestling Podcast on all platforms. And reach out. Listen to us on Spotify. Uh, I've got the link in the Twitter and you can listen to every episode that we upload go ahead and hit that bell icon and the hearts and everything that you can that is going to get you to be able to follow along with us so that every episode that we release you'll be able to get the updated version of it and we're not doing this trying to make money off of it we're just doing this because we love wrestling we've always loved wrestling so this isn't a job for us (laughs) but we love it and we would love to hear other people's opinions if you agree with us or if you disagree with us but let us know I'm not doing the whole stars like Ryan Matthews likes to do. That gives them, um, that's more of a discussionary thing for me and him to get into whenever we like to rank what matches were and what we thought about them. Um, but all in all, I was digging everything. I, I like to see things end with intrigue to see what's going to happen next week. I didn't have any intrigue with the way SmackDown ended. I just felt like it was a continuation of Clash of the Castle more than anything. But hey, I'm still digging what's going on, and I'm going to definitely be watching, obviously. So check us out. This is going to conclude the podcast, and I hope you guys enjoyed. Let me know.